0: Hi, folks. I'm Mark Fallows, and this is the Impossible Network podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast player, and please leave a rating and a review because it helps more people find us. If you want to find out more of what we get up to or suggest who we interview next, follow us on Instagram at The Impossible Network or visit TheimpossibleNetwork.com. Okay, let's get started. In part two, we explore how Emily met and formed a 17 year partnership with Bonnie Siegler forming their New York design firm, Number 17, before we dive deep into her 20 seasons of driving the identity of Saturday Night Live. We also discuss her leadership experience at Pentagram and the challenges of combining that with motherhood. Finally, we discuss diversity, and of course, we get our quick questions and answers. I hope you enjoy the curiosity, humour and design principles of Emily Oberman. That experience with T-Bar must be very hard leaving M&Co if they were so bound up with your life and the direction, and, and your your development as a designer and as a human being. What was it that made you then leave to go and set up your own studio called uh, Number 17 with someone called Bonnie Siegler?
1: A couple of things. Bonnie and I had met, before I started working at m M&M and Company, we met at a job that we both worked at for a short period of time at a studio called Marcus Ratliff Incorporated. I opened the door. I worked there already. I opened the door when Bonnie walked in, and it was kind of one of those... Hi, I'm Emily. Hi, I'm Bonnie. Want to hang out after work? Like it was just like that. Uh-huh. And we always knew that we would wanted to have a design studio together, but we also knew that we needed to learn and experience and explore different things. And so that was always something sort of in the back of my mind while I was at & Company, not that I ever not that I was ever anything, but 150 percent committed to working at M & Company when I was at M & Company. I sweated and bled M & Company for six years, which is longer than anyone ever worked at M & Company. And a couple of things were happening. Uh, I'd been there for six years, which is a very long time, and it's a, it's a hard job. Very demanding. Tibor is a demanding guy. And at the same time, Tibor's interests were sort of changing. He had f- sort of fallen in love with this, with Colors magazine. I worked on the very first issue with him. But he he wanted to do more editorial. He wanted to do more content uh, in a different way. And so his focus was less on sort of M & Company. Not *Emmon Company, because of course that's his soul. But his focus. Focus was changing at the same time as I'd been there for about six years. So it just seemed like time. It was really hard. But the nice thing was that I continued to do a couple of projects with Tibor. Like at Number 17, we did a couple of projects with Tibor. So it sort of softened the separation a little bit. And it was just, it was the right time to change, did to you grow. Mani-
0: did you manage to open the studio with a founding client? We you, did. You did.
1: And what was nice is that Bonnie had been working at VH1 for years when she left they hired us to do ad campaigns for them and to do branding work for them and to do some on-air work for them so they came with us to number 17 so we had right, VH1 good. and Viacom as a client from the beginning at number 17 so a little less to worry about as a founder a little <laughs> yeah, less to worry just about a little bit. Plus, we worked out of Bonnie's apartment, so we had no <clears throat> overhead. One computer that we shared, and it was, it was time. I, I still, when I talk about Em & Company, I still say we, which makes me really happy, and I hope it makes Tibor happy wherever in the universe he might be. It's still part of my DNA, and Myra, of course, has evolved even further, she was always a huge, huge, huge part of M & Company, the M of M & Company. Yeah. But what she became, not what she became, because she always was that, but what she continues to do is mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
0: I've heard you say that you're, you didn't really have a business plan when you set up number 17, but you had a, did have a plan, which was pretty simple, which was to do good work for smart people, and um, for products that you actually liked. I mean that's the perfect combination really for anyone working in any creative field. But it's very hard to do. There's not that many smart people around, and you have worked with some extraordinary brands. How did it? How did it evolve?
1: I have no idea. I I really don't.
0: Because I wonder, you know, we've we've got our own um, small agency we work with clients, and we tend tend to do the same. Mm-hmm. But we could do with a bit more scale on the size of <laughs> some of the brands that you've worked on. So, are there any lessons there that we can take from what you've, the, how you approach
1: this? I mean, it's all well and good to say good work for smart people. Hopefully, they're smart. Hopefully, the work is good. The other thing is, you could be a smart person and not a good person. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah, that's fair enough. So that's the other. Yeah. That's the other piece that I'd like to add, that I try to add now is good, smart work for good, smart people. I, I mean, that was not that was something that it was never a question between me and Bonnie at number 17, that if there was a client that we didn't like, or someone came to us for a product that we didn't believe in, we never just said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, our overhead was low enough that there was never a moment where we had to do work for a company we didn't believe in or couldn't stand by. I I don't wanna sound like everyone on earth has that luxury because I know that that's not always true. We were lucky enough, and I think at Pentagram we also are lucky enough that we don't have to do work for people that we don't believe in or brands that we don't believe in or companies that we don't feel uh, simpatico to. But the smart people is something that I feel like I've been pretty lucky in. I think often our clients are people who I respect for the way they think and the kind of presence that they bring to a project. It's not always the case.
0: But I suppose it's also the trust. You've got the, coming from the time you spent the six years at m co it must have given some confidence in a lot of the clients to work with you and with the work that body had done in the past as well, particularly um, working with amazing, like Lauren Michaels, I mean, to, uh, you know, a, a, an icon in his own lifetime. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have worked with him over such a long period, he must have trusted in your judgment, which is uh, incredible to have that privilege to work with someone like that.
1: I don't know how much he knows that he was trusting in my judgment specifically. Saturday Night Live is a very well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. We, did, we did the work for the titles for Saturday Night Live mostly through the film unit. For a long time through a man named Jim Signorelli, who is the guy who created all the parody commercials throughout the years. Like a genius. Crazy person. Genius. And so we worked with him. And so there I think there were years where I don't think Lauren Michaels knew exactly who it was that was doing all this work for him. But he liked what he saw. But he liked it and he trusted and he trusts, now he does. Mm. Now he I don't know if he passed me in the hall, if he would be like, hey Emily. But now he knows who mm. who he's working with. But he trusts his team. A lot. That's the well oiled machine part of Saturday Night Live, where we'll work this past, this current iteration of the titles for Saturday Night Live. He didn't see, he saw a mood board and then a test that we made with Truffaut films, because it was all meant to feel oh. a little French new wave. And then he didn't see the titles till the dress rehearsal on the day of the season premiere. Wow. So us leaving it late. Yeah, it's a tight. I don't know what would have happened if he hadn't liked them. They were good. I, I don't think that Mary Ellen Matthews, the photographer for SNL, she and I did the titles together with the film unit. We knew that they were pretty good. So I wasn't that worried. But again, as a worrier. There's certainly something in the back of my mind saying like what what do we do what happens at 11:30 if he doesn't like these but he did he did like them but that's this sort of and I love that that's again that goes back to the sort of method acting and to the smell of the grease paint like I love that right down to the wire I don't love it with every project I just just say I have but you, a, th- you thrive on it I think I thrive on that sort of energy, but especially with Saturday Night Live, which I have loved for all 45 years of its existence. I remember where I was the first time I watched the show. Mm -hmm. I remember where I was when the show premiered. I was a kid and I got to stay up and watch it, and it, like, you know, fireworks went off in my head. And I have carried that love for that show with me for 45 years and so there's something that energy that Saturday Night Live has is something that sort of again fills my soul with a kind of exuberance that I I understand.
0: How many seasons have you worked on it now? Is it over 20?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. How do you
0: remain so fresh, energized and focused with, I, I mean I, I know that there's a there's a, form, a formula to Saturday Night Live, and it's like, say, it's a well-oiled machine. It's amazing that it's gone on for so many years. But there must be a point sometimes where you think, is it time for some new blood? Is there, is, should someone else take it over? But ha- if not, how do you? No. Does, no? <laughs> not a chance. Get your hands off it.
1: There, That day may come.
0: Are there, are there, have there been times over the last 20 years when you've gone, oh, I'm struggling with this one?
1: yeah you know because it is it's the same brief every year it's yeah. new york city that's what i'm saying to, to
0: have the same brief year in year out and not feel to remain that fresh and energized is say something about your your character and your uniqueness in terms like of the a designer dog with a bone so let me just contextualize it for maybe listeners that haven't watched or aren't that familiar with saturday night live because not everyone is listening to the show in america you do the design for the opening of the show and the closing credits for every season when it starts. And it's a new brief every year. Is that correct? It's the same brief every year. Same design brief every year.
1: The, the brief for the titles for Saturday Night Live is the same and has been the same since 1975 when it premiered. It's New York City at night, the most famous, Amazing party that you wish you were at with the cast members. The city is gorgeous. The people are having a great time. That's the brief. One of the things that we always say is that the show is funny, hopefully. The opening titles are not. Mm -hmm. The opening titles are this beautiful introduction into the world of New York at night So we're never trying to be jokey with what we do. It's supposed to be fun and funny and have that element of sort of wit. I think all design should have an element of wit. And by wit, I don't mean humor. I just mean uh, a shared experience, I guess. And so we shoot in and around the city. And then we also shoot the cast members in and around the city. And it's all done in the week or two before the season premiere. And we do the opening sequence about every three or four years, it gets redone. So it doesn't get done redone every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets redone when, sometimes when, a big chunk of the cast changes or when there's a specific anniversary. The last time we did it before this most recent one was at the 40th anniversary. So there was a special opening title sequence done to celebrate the 40th anniversary. Now we're in the 45th. I don't know when we'll do it again. This is the second year of this iteration. So it's not, it's not something you have to figure out every year. So you get to sort of think about it a little bit and the idea is always to sort of reinvent what that experience is like the for the 40th anniversary because it was grand we worked with Reese Thomas who is the director and he got a helicopter which we'd never done before. And the helicopter flew over the city. Usually it's very run and gun, Uh kind of uh, down and dirty, guys on the street. And this was to give the whole thing this idea of this grand celebration. So suddenly you're up above New York City at night and it's beautiful and then you sort of come down for these moments with the cast members. And we tried to make the typography have a sort of quality of of something that looked like maybe it was left in your VCR for 40 years, because it was 40 years of Uh. SNL. That was sort of the idea behind that. And then this year we wanted to sort of celebrate the idea of French New Wave combined with New York New Wave. And we wanted to bring black and white back into it and sort of a big kind of typography that we hadn't done before. And so you're sort of always trying to think of something that feels a little different from whatever the previous was. And the cast is delicate dance, not because they're difficult, but because most of them don't get back into the city till the week before, so you're shooting 20 cast members or 17 cast members the week before, and you start shooting at eight o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. and you shoot till three, four o'clock in the morning. I've been at shoots for cast members where they arrive for hair and makeup at 1 o'clock in the morning. Wow. One of the best New York experiences of my life was working, was the shoot for Kate McKinnon in this current iteration of The Mm -hmm. Open, which takes place in the Metropolitan Museum. We were in the museum at 2 o'clock in the morning wandering around... uh, The Egyptian room? We were in the Egyptian room. And just being... In the museum at two o'clock in the morning was just such an incredible. Like I'm a born and bred New Yorker, but such a New York moment that most people don't get to get. I just it's
0: extraordinary. I,
1: I it was a, it was a like. Oh. <laughs> This is this is this is a good one. Okay, you just answered
0: why it keeps you fresh. Now I now I, I, now I understand. Anything getting night. experiences like that would energize anyone.
1: There's Amazing. also the other great thing about Saturday Night Live is again it feels really like like that sort of like backstage like you can be backstage while they're doing the show. If you're if on the occasions that I go, you get to stand in the hall and literally someone will walk by with a llama, like <laughs> and it's just it's like being on an old studio but also, lot
0: being a native new yorker as well and designer being part of the fabric not just the, f- the fabric of american society but fabric of new york society and culture it must be amazing be.
1: i i love it i love doing work for the city that i love it's why i love we just finished doing the identity for hudson river park uh-huh. the all the signage went in this summer it's Beautiful, and I'm proud of it. I spend a lot of time in Hudson River Park. Being able to brand something that's part of the city that I love, that is meant to sort of relate to Paula's Highline, which is the gold standard mm-hmm. of signage in the city, makes me really proud. It's also why I love being a pentagram. Yeah. Well, that takes
0: us nicely to Pentagram. You moved here to be a partner. How have you managed to balance motherhood with the challenges of having a partner role at such an iconic firm?
1: Very poorly. <laughs> it's
0: But you're But I'm sure I'm sure it's ha- Harry and Eli. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- sure, ha- I'm sure Harry and Eli are very happy with, with Mum at the moment.
1: They love Pentagram. Mm-hmm. They love coming to Pentagram because when they come here, they bring comic books that they have drawn and written.
0: Uh oh! We see another couple of designers coming onto the scene very soon. Super <laughs> union.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, and they sell them here. Nice one. So that is. I thought
0: you were going to say they love coming here because they, they get to do some work on the side and get some a nice sort of minimum wage. Well, they get them. They <laughs> design
1: their comic books and they peddle them. <laughs> they love being here. They love they love Paula. They love her work. They and Paula. They've spent a bunch of time with Paula, and so they're always really happy to. Be here when she's here, and they they do love coming here, and they love being able to say like much to my own chagrin, like on Halloween, some kid will walk by in a Harley Quinn costume, and Harry'll say like, my mom designed the DC logo, and I'm like, they don't, <laughs> don't want to know <laughs> that, and it sort of takes any conversation uh, you're having with a parent in a whole different direction. But they they are they are happy and proud of being associated with Pentagram, they both are interested in design and logos and comic books and music, but it makes me feel, it's hard. Mm -hmm. I I just, being a mother of twins, a full-time mother of twins, even though I'm not there during the day, I'm still a mother Mm full-time, and a full-time partner at Pentagram is not easy yeah it's just it's i i always feel like i'm not quite giving either one of those things enough Mm -hmm. it that may not be the case but that's how i feel
0: and you married a designer paul as well so designs really been kept in the family
1: yes (laughs) paul and i on our first date had a giant fight not a giant fight we had our like a serious like we don't see eye to eye on this about open outline typography i thought you were going to say some sort of uh, sort of font or serif yeah no we, whether was, whether yeah. you should be able to use typefaces in as outline uh-huh. or or not <laughs> i was pro and you went on a second date that's good we did yeah I think the, the, the banter was you, you, you good enough. You obviously won the argument. <laughs> yeah, the banter was good enough that there was a second date. But yes, design is a very important part of what I love about Paul is he's one of the best designers I've ever met. We do very different kinds of work. And so and that's nice. I always show him what I'm working on or I try to always show him when I'm working. Sometimes it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> could you look at this? I have to present it tomorrow. And he shows me what he's working on. And it's it's we're both workaholics. We're both passionate about what we do. So it's nice to have someone to talk about it with who I think always makes it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because we do such different kinds of work. Sometimes I wonder what it would be like to be married to someone who wasn't also a designer same thing as having parents who are designers like sometimes i wonder what it would be like to not have had parents who were able to say "Mm, you went with futura i wouldn't (laughs) have done that (laughs) so it's a you know it's a double-edged sword but i Mm. i love them well (laughs) what are you gonna do We've
0: got 15 minutes left, so I'm going to have to get to the quickfire okay, questions. Sorry. I did want to ask you about diversity and inclusion in the industry, but we'll have to maybe do that another time. I was also going to ask you about curiosity and creativity and how it's contributed to your success, but I don't think I need to add to that because you're clearly an incredibly curious and uniquely creative individual. So I think that's your answers have answered that. So quickfire questions. Wait, oh, I but- just want
1: to say I'm also exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like that's the other thing about the motherhood, the pressure, the job. I I don't want it to sound like, I feel like sometimes it sounds like work is all joy and easy and you do it because you love it. I've gone to so many design lectures where people say, follow your passion, follow your heart. It's not that easy. It's a craft. It's not. Yes, exactly. It's not. Working on Saturday Night Live sounds like fun, but it's really hard, and it does mean that I'm at, not at home for many nights. It means I get home late. It means my kids get haircuts a month and a half li- after they should have. <laughs> you know, it. There I'm are. Sure,
0: they're not worried about that.
1: No, they're <laughs> not. But it does. It is hard, and I think as a woman it makes being a woman in a position of leadership in the design world, it makes it clear why it's so hard. Yeah. And I think we here at Pentagram, uh, You know, when I joined Pentagram, Paula was the only yes. woman partner. There have been other women partners, but when I joined, there was Paula. And now here in the New York office, there are three other women partners. So of the nine partners in New York, Four of us are women, but it is something that we are aware of and trying to sort of lead by example. I would say in uh-huh. terms of in terms of that, if that matters. But my main point was, I know I, I sometimes I, I make things sound like they're not as they're not as difficult as they have been, and that I I have worked really frigging hard to be able to sit here with you and talk about work, life, how fun it is to be at the Metropolitan Museum at two o'clock in the morning, but it's because I work hard. And I think that's really important to get across as well because I think people from the outside looking in,
0: particularly looking at someone that's achieved the success that you have, maybe comes to an assumption, oh well, she maybe worked hard early on, but it's now just living off the success. But I think people, I mean, I certainly, find this, I you know, think life's never got easier in terms of doing quality work, regardless of the stage of your career or the level you're at. It takes the same principles of, of dedication, sacrifice, hard work, persistence, grit, all these characteristics that, that lead you to sitting here. And I don't think it ever gets easier. As people think it does, they should maybe wake up.
1: I'm waiting for the moment that it gets easier. Like I, there are days when I'm like, why is it still so hard? But, but it's good.
0: It's the process, and yeah. that's what we love. True. Okay, sorry. The quick of our questions. What
1: principles do you stand by? I do stand by do good, smart work for good, smart people. Yeah. But that also is spend time being good and smart with good, smart people. And I also believe in, you know, being as kind as possible to the planet. Mm-hmm.
0: And getting your kids' haircuts once every six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Once every six months. What hard choices have you had to make, but uh, were tough at the time, but turned out to be the right decision in the end?
1: I think the ending number 17 yeah, that was a really tough. hard choice for both of us. Mm-hmm. We decided to do it independently. Uh, I think that we each wanted to try other things, and we thought about it for a long time, and I think that that was difficult for both of us because it was a a beautiful thing but in the end i i'm glad that it gave me the opportunity to come and sort of find this new chapter at pentagram and i know that bonnie is happy but that is the hardest professional thing yeah where do you go to discover new ideas
0: because you need a lot of them you're, you're busy. Got demands.
1: I have two places mm-hmm. to sleep. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of time before falling asleep, while asleep, and shortly after waking up, there's kind of like moments of thought and clarity and panic, yeah. like those m- middle of the night ah, waking up moments where. Perhaps a good idea comes. And then I want to say museums and galleries and books and magazines, all of which is true. And sometimes the easiest place to find all of that is online. So I use all of those tools, I guess. Mm-hmm. I use magazines, books, music, art, and the internet.
0: Good combination. It's a cheat. And a little bit of Monty Python thrown in from time to time. Oh god! Yeah.
1: You're right. Wait. I want to <laughs> I wanna completely take back my answer. My answer is oh, okay. I I go to content that I love. I go to humor. I go to song. I go to comedy. I do. It's true. That makes complete sense.
0: Who's made you reevaluate yourself?
1: Everybody. My father, when he was alive, was very good at finding the way to, that sort of needled me, not in a bad way, but that made me think about what I was doing in an interesting way that always snuck up on me. Mm -hmm. My father was very good at sort of being able to have me think about what I was doing and get me to question whether I was doing it the right way. He was incredibly supportive. So it wasn't like he ever made me think that I was wrong or bad, but he definitely was able to get me to think about how I behave, how I conduct myself, who I am. But I do also want to say that can come from anywhere. I, I, I try to, and I would like to, to think that 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 kind of self reevaluation can come from anywhere like can come from me thinking about how well i'm behaving with my team and what kind of signs i get from them makes me think about how i should pivot mm-hmm. i try i don't know if i always succeed but i certainly try
0: okay the impossible question what would your advice be to someone um, who's just about to graduate, good to study, and might have a dream, a grand ambition, but has been
1: told, as impossible. Is it? Is it impossible? That would be the question that I would ask. Yeah. My advice would be to try to make it possible, to work really hard. Again, it goes back to that sort of working yeah. really hard, I, I don't again I don't wanna sound Pollyanna. I don't wanna sound like, oh, if you try really hard it'll happen. I don't know if it will, but if you don't try really hard, it, it won't definitely help. won't. Yeah. So the advice I would have is believe in yourself and try. Yeah. Try, try, try. And work hard when trying.
0: No, it's great advice.
1: Doesn't everybody say that?
0: No, they don't. No, everyone's got a slightly different answer. <laughs> so yeah we've had many maybe we should start to collect collate them all and publish them it might be a nice blog post uh, I'm got to get through the last couple of questions if I do have time, I would like to ask you about your perspective on failure what we added a few questions to this recently. What's one problem worth solving in the world today?
1: One I mean uh, climate change is yeah. the one
0: okay we're agreed on that it's definitely <laughs> the I don't it's definitely the number one yeah. Return.
1: Changing who the president is, also.
0: Well, those are bound oh, up in... They are completely... Yeah.
1: They are wrapped up in each other, but yeah. yes. Saving the planet.
0: I'm Step getting, one being... I'm getting Bloomberg to run. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song?
1: Like a Prayer by Madonna. Ah,
0: nice one. <laughs> and the best recent Netflix or Amazon series? Oh... Or any series,
1: for that mm-hmm. matter. Well, Amazon, I have to go with Fleabag Season 2. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: great. Beyond great. <laughs> Beyond great. If you have not... I haven't seen it. She's incredible. She's She'd unbelievable. Incredible. Un- she's a... Yeah.
0: Okay, weekend she, viewing. Book, okay. would you like us to offer three listeners that submit the best comments in the comment section?
1: It's a book called Devil in the White City, by Eric Larson.
0: Okay, who should we interview next?
1: Mary Ellen Matthews, the SNL photographer.
0: Okay, all right. We might need you to make a little introduction for us. That's good. I'm gonna come back to the question. What's your
1: perspective on failure? My perspective on failure is that, me personally, I wish that I were less worried about it. I think you can learn a lot from failure and if you have a certain degree of confidence, you can learn more from failure. If you have too much worry, you spend too much time fearing failure as opposed to embracing it or learning from it and having that be the thing that helps you try again better. So. For myself, I wish that I were not as fearful of Uh it because I think good can come from it. Does it It
0: ever stop? Does it ever get easier for you? I know I've heard you say that you wake up in the morning and you go to bed at night living with that sort of the fear because it's what drives you. But over time, when you've achieved the the success and the the position you're in now, surely it's a
1: little less than maybe it used to be. Sure. I'm hoping that it is. I believe that it is. I would say that I am less worried about what other people think or what happens when something doesn't go perfectly. But it's still there. It still Uh gnaws at me. It still eats at me in a way that I think that I would be a better designer, a better boss, a better mother, a better person if I were able to sort of accept accept it and learn from it and move on Hmm. um and so i think slowly the balance is shifting but not perhaps as slowly as i would like okay not perhaps as quickly as i would like okay i think that's a
0: nice place to end i mean i'd love to talk longer but we have to wrap up because i know you've got to go i'd just like to thank you and acknowledge you for your curiosity which I think is certainly we've we we've, we've interviewed some extraordinarily curious people, and I think your curiosity just comes across in your character. You you exude it, your love of story and belief in the power of ideas, and and of course for your weirdness. And the term you used, the way you described yourself as, what was it? We, weird.
1: Beautiful weirdo.
0: Be- beautiful weirdo. Yeah, I absolutely love that, and I want to sort of adopt that and have a badge, mm-hmm. uh, walk around now with beautiful weirdo. That's I think it's wonderful. And podcast. just a new podcast. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> and and really just for your your nonconformity, because I think that's what's I suppose in a way it's defined your career through design and, and kept the you fresh. So thank you very much for your time. And and just the final thing I was gonna say, when I was doing the research for you, I absolutely love the typefaces that you came up with and the names for them. The the, the fantastic Beast, the, the ones for Fantastic Beasts. Was it Crimes New Roman? Crimes New
1: Roman. I I love it. To I be- gotta give that to Tim Cohan, one of the associates on my team. That was he that was his name. I my role in that was just saying yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But all the same, I mean, to be have a legacy that has created the work that you've created—it's—it's it's amazing. And the uh, uh, more people should know your name when they see this amazing design that, <laughs> uh, and uh, surrounds our life and and particularly living in New York. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank it's you. Been wonderful. And uh, yeah, look forward to interviewing
1: Mary Ellen Matthews. Mary Ellen Matthews. So, She's great. Thank, thank you, you, you. you. It's it's been a pleasure. Thanks.
0: Just go to iTunes. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts or whatever podcast player you listen to subscribe and rate. And if you like the show, please give us a five star rating as it helps more people discover us. If you want to learn more or have someone you'd like us to interview, just visit us at theimpossiblenetwork.com or DM us on Instagram at The Impossible Network. For now, be curious, be creative and be open to
1: serendipity. See you next time.